and gentlemen, let's get ready to podcast! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Introducing first, speaking out of the blue corner, Knack Boy, Roy, the Rebel Wills. And his co-host, speaking out of the red corner, Old Man. Bundy Williams. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Striker Chat. Seven of the Striker Chat podcast. Roy is taking a hiatus because Jacinta and himself are having a well, he's not having a baby, but Jacinta's going to have the baby. It is due today. It's Saturday, the thirtieth of July. You can say something, yeah, too, man. Yeah, just, <laughs> anyone? Yeah, I've got Benny right here. Um, uh, I'm going solo for this episode, but I'll have a special guest co-host with a big episode in episode twenty-eight. Let's get into it. Our next guest has a master's in sports science and nutrition. She is also a Nak Moy, the owner of MH Performance Coaching and an owner of the of a, of a deadly right kick. <laughs> Let's give a striking warm welcome to Mandy Hopper. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> excited to have you here. So, Mandy, let's get straight into this. Who are you? <laughs> Tell us about yourself, mate. Um, all right, so my name is Mandy Hopper. I am uh, from a small country town in New South Wales called Wagga. I know Wagga. You know Wagga. I know Wagga. <laughs> Most people go, is that Wagga Wagga? No, no, no. no. <laughs> is, is, is Wagga on the border? No, no. definitely not. Okay. It's like de- inland. So is it's technically a city now yep. oh. um, because of the population, yep. but it's still very small. So I grew up there, yep. um, families from there. Then moved to Bathurst, which is also New Bathurst. South Wales. Yeah, we, we, we know we know Bathurst. V8 Supercars. V8 Supercars. Yeah. If you're not if you're not Australian, then yeah, <laughs> let's V8 Supercars. So I did my undergrad there, which was actually in PE teaching. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and I got was doing my prax, and I was kind of like third year, thinking, ooh, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I love teaching, um, but you know, the nine to three every day and. Just a bit like Groundhog Day for me, which yeah. I was like, nah, I don't think this is for me. So, a strength and conditioning internship popped up. Um, I had Dr. Stephen Bird, he was my first mentor in strength and conditioning, okay. come to a class I was doing and put on this epic seminar or all about strength and conditioning, about the stuff that he was doing with the NRL players, with yep. all this GPS data and all this recovery data. And I just thought, what is this? <laughs> I don't know what this is, but yeah. I need to know more about it. Um, and he brought up the internship and then I just hounded them. I was like, when is this internship? I want it. And I was just emailing constantly to a point that they were like, we will tell you when they open. And I was like, <laughs> okay, will you though? Because I don't want to miss out. Um, and then ended up getting the internship and that kind of opened the door for strength and conditioning for me, yeah. which then led me here to Perth. Yeah. Why'd you come to Perth? So um, my I was came to Perth for my master's in sports science. So and you did that at? 
ECU. ECU. And that was a master's in research, yes. Okay, yeah. So I came here because of my supervisor. So my supervisor was Dr. Greg Haff. Okay, yeah. He is probably the best strength um, scientist in the world. Oh. Very um, renowned. What was his name again, sorry? Dr. Greg Haff. Yeah, okay. Um, He's fantastic. Very into Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely phenomenal person, so much knowledge. And my uh, Dr. Stephen Bird said to me, for what you want to do, you you need to move, um, you need to work with Greg. And, and I was he, like, was, he was here in Perth. Yeah, yeah so I was okay. like, all right. So Steve sent me over to Perth for a week <laughs> to do some work experience, hooked me up with one of um, a coach that he was mentoring. I yep. literally just followed him around for a week. He let me live with him. That was um, Adam Wolski. Um, he's really fantastic strength coach as well. And then from there, I was like, I'm moving here 100%. Um, met with Greg. We were both on the same path with what I wanted to do with my research. Um, and then moved here and I have not left. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you moved here. And I'm glad you haven't yeah. left either. As a kid, did you play sports? I did. I went probably until the age of eight. I was changing sports every six months. Couldn't okay. make a decision. I've I got living living in a uh, country town. It's yeah. it's it's part of the social fabric, isn't yes, it? Yes, and Wagga's got a big sporting uh, culture there as yeah. well. They produce some really good athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided my best friend was doing karate, and I thought oh, oh. I want to do karate. And yes. Dad said, if you do karate, that's it. Like, you're not quitting. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, she quit two weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) And dad was like, unlucky, you can quit when you get your black belt. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Um, But did you find it, did you, did you find it enjoyable? Yes, I did love it. I did love it. Definitely, you know, I was uh, eight, I think, when I started Is it it because of the bonding with the other children and everything like that? The social aspect of it? Everything about the social aspect, but the discipline, I was really drawn to that. Um, The routine, like pushing yourself, um, just everything about it. I had a really great coach. Um, He was fantastic. I still keep in contact with him. I went and saw him when I was in Wagga. Um, And had or fought very consistently um, through karate until I was... I think I was 16 and mm-hmm. then had a bit of a break. Um, and then when I moved to Bathurst, started karate again, okay. um, which was Goju, different, um, came from Shotokan and that was Goju. Um, and then moved here and I was kind of wanted a change and yeah, I okay. dabbled a little bit in Muay Thai um, in Bathurst, but so not you, a lot. How old were you when you came to Perth? I was 23, oh, I think. Yeah, so um, 23, uh, yeah, or yeah, 24 yeah, possibly. Because yeah. obviously, yep. Uni, you've, you've been yeah, yeah, did yeah. uni, came here um, and uh, went around to a few different gyms to try. Mm-hmm. Um, was living in Osborne Park, so Riddler's was naturally quite close. Yeah. Um, but we, I did go to a few different places, but I just, to be honest, the reason I actually signed up at Riddler's was I went there, did a session and Daz came up and had a chat to me and I had no idea who he was oh at this right, point, yeah. no clue. Didn't know anything about Muay Thai really. But he just spoke to me like I was on his level. Like, welcomed me, um, oh, like, had a big chat to me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And then um, the person I was with was like, do you know who that is? And I said, no. I said, oh, that's Darren Reese. Like, went on and I was like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have expected that given his calibre. Yeah. Just the way that he communicated with me and, and, and the, how active he was on the floor mm-hmm. um, with the beginners and with everything. So I was just like, okay, this is the place for me. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's the Muay Thai. The Muay Thai <laughs> story. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you got to Muay Thai. Yeah. You've obviously had fights with um, – and all your fights have been with Darren Riddler. And yes. Uh, and Riddler. Yep. How yep. many fights have you had? I've had 11 fights. 11 fights? Yes. And what would that record be? Uh, nine wins. Nine wins? Yes. Wow. 
12. I That's went. I think I went eight without losing. When was so the last? Um, are you still active at the moment? Um, I had two fights at the end of last year after a three-year hiatus. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, but at the moment, uh, my priorities have um, shifted a little bit more to focusing on business. So for yeah, me, it's okay. very much like mm. my priorities have to change. Sometimes it's Muay Thai. Yeah. Sometimes it's business. Sometimes it's social. Whatever it is. So. So, but um, MH performance has taken a bit of a it's, yeah. it's gone uh, oh, so that three yeah, year hiatus was when we opened our facility okay yes essentially so yeah. um the focus was just yeah on on the facility on building it yeah. um on supporting our clients our coaches mm-hmm. staff training all that kind of stuff education as well we have a very big focus on education we're always doing a lot of courses typically we're all doing like two to four at once okay. <laughs> what your coaches you all of us yes yeah, yeah. so my so always educating yourself always always, always striving forward always, always being better that one percent better than than yeah oh man, that's, fucking, that's, that's the way that's and the this way industry life. so many things like change new research oh, yeah, comes out sure. you know you've got to stay on top of it yeah. um we're in a really unique time now because there is a lot more research now coming out about combat sports which yeah. hasn't been the case previously and it's um you know we have to go on what anecdotally works and even still that's the case we have to go on what we know mm. anecdotally there's still a lot of work to be done but dr oliver barley who i did my master's with um at ecu he um is specializing in combat sport research oh. and from what i understand leading the way now and i think that's really going to open up so much more potential for combat sports to grow and to reach high level perform- of performance which is awesome 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 that's a great segue, by the way. Yes. Mate, we'll talk about combat sport and strength and conditioning. Yeah. But, but after the break, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be talking more about MH performance coaching and, how, and how annual sports science. Princess or queen, tomboy or king. You've heard a lot you've never seen. Mother Earth, Mother Mary, rise to the top. Divine feminine, I'm feminine. And welcome back. Woo woo we. Woo woo we. MH Performance and Coaching. Sports Science. What made you get into sports? So, um, when I did my that internship, yeah, yeah, I yeah. was given the netball squad to work with. So, okay. I was yes. working with them for about a year and a half. And I'd never... I'd done a little bit of netball before as a kid, but... Um, I was I got given that squad so I had to educate myself around netball, the injuries, the yeah, plan, okay. how to improve performance, the strength and conditioning side of things. And what I kind of found was there is a lack of research for effective um, strength and conditioning programs in netball athletes, particularly in youth netball athletes, which yeah. is interesting because the um, peak incidence of ACL injury occurs in 14 to 16 year old girls participating in cutting and pivoting sports such as netball, netball yeah, and yeah, most yeah. people you talk to about netball, they're straight away like, oh, knee and ankle injuries, knee injuries. Like, yeah. um, it's got a really big stigma attached to it. So I moved for my master's. I was looking at uh, strength and conditioning in 11 to 14 year old female mm-hmm. athlete or netball athletes yep. um, and the effect that had on lower limb biomechanics, particularly yep. in landing and also yeah. in performance as well. So um, their movement competency running faster, jumping higher, changing direction. So we did all those tests and our research did find that after six weeks only um, of three times a week neuromuscular training, which neuromuscular is just a combination of the nerves and the muscles working together. So when we strength train, (laughs) yes, we're not not just training the muscles when we strength train, we are training the nervous system as well and their ability to work together to control movement. Mm. 
So after six weeks, we found the girls had significant improvements in their landing mechanics, particularly their knee angles, less valgus knee, um, more knee flexion. They were also running faster. They were jumping higher and they were changing direction quicker. And they got better scores on their movement competency test, which we found had a direct correlation with their sprinting speed and their jumping height. So the better you move, the better you can perform. And there is a lot of research to support that as well. So what type of exercises would you be doing here? Like, I'm just going to touch on, like, um, I've only just discovered this guy on the internet, on, on Instagram called Knees Over Toes. Yes, he's great. Do you know the guy? I do, I do, I do. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he, he talks about the strengthening of the knee or yep. around that, that, the back of the knee, mm-hmm. top of the knee, everything. So is, is this what you, you implement? Definitely, definitely. Yeah? So the Knees Over Toe thing, it's definitely a bit of an outdated um, kind of myth um, yeah. that's kind of... Yeah, gone now, thank God. Yeah. But if oh. you think of how we, what we do in day to day or how you walk upstairs or walk <laughs> downstairs, your yes. knee is coming over your toe. It is. So it makes sense to train that. Yeah. Um, and particularly with netball and the knee injuries, we do want to do a lot of um, exercises that can enhance knee stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously strengthening around the quadriceps, the hamstrings, the glutes is all going to play a massive yeah. part. Ankles as well? Yes. Yep. Yes, definitely. Ankles, ankles yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the whole stability, mobility yeah. of the yep. ankle yep. and yep. even ankle stiffness. So with the ankle, we can be, and particularly with girls, they tend to be hypermobile. So yep. too mobile. Um, okay. which can increase injury risk and yeah. sprains and stuff as well. But you're also going to have issues if you're not mobile. Yeah. And we need yeah. – uh, there's something called ankle stiffness, which is often associated with ankle tightness, but it's, it is different. Yeah. And that's more – um, the tendons elastic energy. So if you are I'm like skipping, skipping pogo jumps, all that kind of stuff, yep. that's going to enhance the stiffness. But we also want to make sure we're doing ankle mobility work as well because we want an optimal amount for sprint performance yeah. and jump performance. When I first started training, I kn- knew nothing about my feet, yes. the strength of my feet. And, my, and then like I used to get these coaches, oh, your feet are asleep. <laughs> I didn't know, your feet are asleep and your ankles are asleep. And I didn't even know, what, what do you mean by feet are asleep? And it's like that, that mind, the mind, um, mind muscle connection, mm-hmm. the mind to your feet as well. And, and just having that, just. Uh, it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. It My is hard. physio was giving us an exercise. He came out and did, he's done a few seminars with us um, where you basically have both feet on the ground and you try and lift up both your big toes and then put it down. <laughs> and then you do each toe. <laughs> Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> but 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 that but is it's that it's that neural connection. That neural yes. connection. I think when I'm um, like, my training's gone exponentially since I've done that that yeah. that neuro mind or the 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 mind muscle connection. It's but funny though because you're yeah. like looking at your toe like, come on, get <laughs> up! Like, why are you not moving? <laughs> but now my feet, um, my feet and ankles, knees, every everything is my stability is yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. Um, my base is good, so when I'm training or when I'm doing squats, deadlifts, all them sorts of big exercises, it's it's it, uh, well, personally I find it uh, a lot better. Yeah, you really focus on the grassroots athletes here at MH. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So we initially, after I did my masters, I launched. I was already working with a Wannell, um netball team, so yeah. I worked with the West Coast Warriors for six years with their yeah. strength and conditioning, and that was kind of the first time that strength and conditioning was really exposed, not at the professional level. Because typically in netball, and most sports, netball is really behind, but um, you don't get in strength and conditioning until you're at like the pro level. Yeah. Um, so, Or you might get a dabble in it a little bit, but it's not consistent. We know mm-hmm. that we need consistent um, 
training to hold on to our strength and power adaptations. So um, I launched the our netball program, which is for 12 to 17-year-old mm-hmm. girls. And they come in, they train twice a week, um, and it's all periodized based on where we are in the season. We've got kind of four programs going on, yeah. so based on the girls' movement, um, training age strength, um, stability, all that kind of stuff depend will depend on what program they're on. Yeah. Um, and they've got set goals that they need to accomplish in each program before they'll be able to move on to the next one. So that kind of um, kicked off. And then I go out to quite a lot of netball clubs. Um, we are the head strength coach for Joondalup Netball Association, yeah. uh, Venetians Netball Club. I've gone, I go out to many netball clubs and do strength sessions on the courts, run seminars. Um, so now, especially north of the river, there shouldn't be many netball athletes that haven't heard of strength and conditioning because <laughs> I've been drilling it for now. Oh, wow. When did I? So 2017, I launched the netball program, but I started working yeah. with netballers here in probably 2015. Um, and now wow, it's quite a well-known thing. And, and these girls have access to the strength and conditioning quality that the girls at the pro level yeah. would normally normally get. Do, do you see Do you see the benefits? Or Massive. Do you, do you see oh the girls getting stronger? Yeah. Um, their, their ability to play, getting better as a player? Yeah, as 100%. Well? Confidence we get, and everything yeah, like that. The yeah. confidence is a massive one. Yeah. Like the girls say, and we hear from their parents and we even hear from, um, they just get comments from heaps of people like, you're much more confident on court. You're not letting people push you around. You've got that strength. You're mm. faster. You're jumping higher. I've probably got a hundred testimonials saying that. It's, um, it's insane the benefits the girls get. Not just from a performance perspective but also from a psychology perspective um there's a ton of research looking at strength training into youth female athletes and how it improves self-worth and self-acceptance and you see the girls when they're like when and even our um all of our athletes or all of our people we train anyway when they can accomplish something in their strength training whether they're getting under the bar it's a squat or a deadlift and they do it then then they get the belief that if i can do this then i can do anything and we watch people leave toxic relationships we watch mm-hmm. people move up in their career yeah. quit their jobs go to uni yeah. to study something because they've ignited something that they thought they couldn't do that they really wanted to so and it's it's insane so with with health and fitness it's 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 a if you get that down check it's it's a flow and effect yes for the rest of your life yeah you concentrate more on women's health look na- and yes 100 percent. Yeah. we do um market more so to women um yeah. naturally we attracted a lot of women because of our specialties yeah um and 90 percent if not more of the women of the people that train here are women. Yeah. We do train men. Um, the men that we train are typically the partners of the girls we train <laughs> where they're like, you have to go there. Um, or our combat sport athletes. Yeah. That's what, that's another, you've got a few combat sport athletes here. We have you? heaps now. I know, I know. <laughs> but we'll get into that. Yeah. But I want to know what's the difference between training. Obviously there's going to be heaps of difference between women and men, mm-hmm. but um, is there major differences or? There's differences that need to be considered in the programming, but it's not the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, We always program based on an individual basis, but some differences in particular, like with women, we we recover quicker between sets compared to men. So our (laughs) muscle, yeah. (laughs) But men have that. So we we are more strong breed of women. Yeah, (laughs) the women are strong. Yeah, (laughs) you give birth. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Every every woman has given birth to every human. Anyway, yeah. So we recover quicker between sets, um, and even between workouts. And we have uh, our muscle fiber distribution is a little bit different. So, um, we have about thirty percent more type one muscle fibers, which are more our slow twitch, better for endurance. Okay, um, yeah. You know, exercise. Whereas men have more type two muscle fibers, and that's more associated with strength and power and speed. Yeah. Okay. So that's why we can recover a little bit quicker between mm-hmm. um, sets than men. 
Um, we also have a, um, our capillary makeup is a little bit different as well. Capillary so is veins? Um, it? Yeah, it? blood essentially. Blood, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. So we have greater capillary density. Um, yep. So this is just more dense than males essentially. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, this in combination with the slow twitch muscle fibres um, makes our, in, our increased ability to deliver more blood to the muscle. Okay. Okay. And it also increases oh. fatty oxid acid, um, oxidation. So um, we tend to burn, like we do a bit better in our aerobic system compared yeah, okay. to our anaerobic system yeah. because we can better utilize fat for fuel. Can we break that down? Yes. Aerobic to anaerobic? Can we? Yes. So we have three, three main systems. The first yeah. one's our ATP PC system. Yeah. So this one is um, dependent on creatine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like your zero to 10 seconds. So this is it comes into considerations when we're strength training as well, particularly if we are in a strength phase because zero to 10 seconds, you know, that might be five reps and under. Mm-hmm. So we are completely using that system. And we know that if we exhaust that system, you need twelve. If you completely exhaust it, you need twelve minutes rest. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is when your programming's like, okay, we don't want to do that. So if we want, um, you know, we might have to program three reps. Yeah. If we're going really, really heavy, activating those type two muscle fibers and those high threshold motor units. <sighs> so we're having a shorter recovery, but we need that complete rest in order to regenerate that ATP in that system. Then we've got the lactate glycolysis system. This is more like your 10 to 30 seconds. Okay, yeah. This is very dependent on glucose, and this is why carbohydrates are so important for fighters, but for anaerobic performance, Mm -hmm. um, because we do a lot in that system. But then we've got the aerobic system, and this is more dependent on fats. Okay. Um, uh, So, Uh but in as as combat sport athletes and um, netball athletes as well, we we use all systems, and with netball and even with combat sports as well, there is a big, probably too much focus on the aerobic system mm. and not enough on the anaerobic system. Okay. So a preseason for netball, they typically they come in, they just start doing massive long runs. Um, and then <laughs> even when they do their sprint stuff, um, they have the rest period is so short that it's not actually anaerobic. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and the fatigue. You, so you need that big, did you say that 12 minute? Well, you don't. Yeah, if you if you completely exhausted it, yeah, okay, but we, okay. we don't we don't really want to do that. <laughs> but you you want a longer. Yes. Yeah. But that, that, you know, there's all there's that myth of like, oh, I've got to keep my heart rate up. No. No. You, so you, you you let your heart rate drop. Is yeah. That what yeah. Because you, you got to think, if you're fatigued, you're not going to perform as well. <gasps> you know what? I, sorry, I mean, go back to me again. It's all about me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But that's like uh, the way I train now is like I I will smash out a set like mm-hmm. go go bang and heavy and really push my body and then i'll i'll have about you know five minute break yeah yeah that's I'll good i'll walk though. around yeah. I'll, you know listen to some music and yeah. and then i'll get back and then i'll just reset and then go for it again yeah so that is that oh wow i, I didn't even know that's so there the was right some research that came out actually for power development oh. um the optimal rest range was eight minutes eight minutes and this is the thing when it comes to research. I love research. I love science. But there is a there is a science to coaching, but there is also the art to coaching. Uh-huh. I cannot have my athletes rest in eight minutes okay. because, you know, we've got 45 minutes with them. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. possible. So we've got to make some, adapt- some changes to make it more yeah. feasible so we still get that. But we still do want at least, you know, yeah, that, that two to five minutes. Okay, but yeah. this is the other thing. Because women, we recover quicker. Yeah. We're going to get bored. 
in that five minutes. We are gonna get bored. Um, Why can't you talk and gossip then? But this is where we might make them do extra mobility or something in there and utilize that time more efficiently. But but fatigue is a terrible environment to build strength, speed, and power. So you need that rest period to. Build strength, speed, and power. I didn't yep. even know I was doing the right thing. But if you if you body. did that heavy squat and you exhausted yourself and you tried to get back under the bar in a no, minute, no, 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 no. <laughs> I wanna I wanna make sure that I'm be, be able to get back up. I've been it's been embarrassing when you think, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you down everything like yeah, that. Yeah, so that rest period, depending yeah. on the phase that we're in, mm-hmm. like if we are focusing on hypertrophy, so building muscle, um, or endurance or something, yeah. where we might have a shorter rest period. Yeah. Um, uh, because we are wanting muscle damage and um, mechanical tension and um, metabolic stress there to mm-hmm. build muscle tissue. But when we're training for purely strength and power perform and performance or speed, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to need longer rest. And this is with your sprint training. If you really want to work that, you know, glycolysis lactate system yeah. and you're doing, I mean, sprints should really be ATP, so less than 10 seconds. <laughs> um, but you're going to need like i think it's the ratio is like at least one to three so if you or one it can be even up to one to five so if you do a 10 second sprint you may need to rest for at least a minute okay yeah um uh, before going for the next one Mm -hmm. if you do a 30 second sprint which is a long sprint um you're gonna need to rest for multiple minutes before you go again if you really want to build that system and as um fighters and and netballers as well it's predominantly anaerobic so netball the work to rest ratio is one to three so it's a very anaerobic sport we need a good aerobic capacity because you know they've got four 15 minute quarters same with fighters we need good aerobic capacity because five times three minute rounds or five by twos, you know, yeah. it is very aerobic, but there needs to be that, anaero- that um, anaerobic power there as well. Yeah. So they need to be able to do both. And this is where like um, sometimes doing some of your aerobic work when your glycogen stores are depleted to favor um, your body utilizing fat. So yeah, then, um, so some of our athletes um, prefer and because of their schedules will run, do their run in the morning and then do their, you know, Muay Thai in the evening. And I'll usually try and get them to run fasted a couple of days, not every day. What do you Um, mean by that fasted? Like not eating Having not eaten. Yeah, exactly. So, so is that like, would that be, um, training your body or getting your body used to the uh, using the fat storage for energy or pretty much yeah to yeah. sum up so when they're training because their muscles are going to be depleted of glycogen because there's no carbohydrates or anything in there yeah so then you're going to get some adaptations within the muscle um, that have the potential to benefit you long term so you're going to have the ability to burn fat at higher exercise intensities so this increases the oxidative capacity and this um then can conserve your carbohydrate stores for longer for when yeah. you actually need them. So your body a bit better at switching for burning fat or carbohydrates for fuel based on what it needs. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not, I mean, I'm not going to say go, you know, to Muay Thai and do a three hour session on no carbs. God, no, we no, definitely, no, no. there is going to be a decrease in performance. If you so are training on low glycogen levels and um, you haven't had any carbohydrates pre-training or you've got, you know, you're not eating enough or you've got low energy availability, you're going to have a detriment in performance. And at the end of the day, we need your Muay Thai or netball um, session yeah. to be performing optimally so in there. I mean, we got this myth in in um, in the health world that carbs are uh, carbs are bad for you. Yeah. I mean... Everything's bad. Salt, uh, sugar, uh, fat, everything's protein. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> But everything, everything <laughs> good, everything's good for you in moderation. Is that correct? Yeah. It depends I mean, on the person as well. So, like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, 
like salt is a really interesting one. It's definitely been demonized, but athletes, yeah. we need salt um, massively. Yes. Um, in And especially if you're d- depleted in sodium, because we need it for our adrenal function and many other things, muscular contraction, performance. Yep. But if you're depleted in sodium and then you just send in like, you do a high intensity, like a high a session, two hour session, whatever, and you just send in heaps of water, you can further deplete sodium. So, so you said, um, would you put salt in or minerals and what, what's a good replacement then? Not just water. Um, so an electrolyte. Um, Any electrolyte? Yeah, electrolytes. Uh, we use Trainaid, which was formulated by, I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Sullivan at the Fight Dietitian. Okay. So Trainaid, um, we have, we, st- we use, make our athletes use all that because that's got sodium and potassium in it and some glucose as well. So okay. particularly if you're training any sessions over 90 minutes, you need intra-workout carbohydrates. Yeah. So the Trainaid gives them that. Um, plus they're getting their electrolytes as well, which are being replenished throughout the session. Yeah. Um, so they're going to keep hydrated as well. And we do see like massive improvements in performance in the session and their ability to um, train for longer with sustained energy. Yeah. Um, we've got clients here that just refuse to train without their Trainaid. They're like, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you, can't train. Yeah. Um, there's a thing on the market as well called Liquid IV. Have you heard of that one yet? I haven't heard of that, no. It's an American product. It's it, it's exactly the same what, what you're talking about. Yep. It, it does the same thing. It's an it's American product and obviously, yeah. You you take a really holistic approach as well. Yep. It's not strength and conditioning. No. You, you go the whole hog. We do. We yeah. go deep. And you, you do go deep. <laughs> but I want to push it back to the wim- women's health as well. Yep. Yeah, I heard you on a podcast. What was it? Um, Christy Obbs. I say last name. <laughs> <laughs> known her for years I should be able to say but you guys went deep yeah. on, on, on women's health and I find that very uh, you know, it interests me because I come from I come from a family I come from a family of women <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't talk about this they'll bash me up no they won't no they won't <laughs> but you, talk, you talked about periods yep um, there were other things you're talking about. So yeah, amenorrhea, amenorrhea is yep. essentially the absence of your menstrual cycle for three months or more. Yeah. So this is something common. We not don't just see this with our athletes because obviously our athletes are pushing really high levels of performance, particularly our fighters. You know, they and um, fighters in general, not the ones that work with us, um, but they tend to eat quite low calories. So they tend okay. to have low energy availability, particularly in females. This causes a flow on of just a hormonal cascade of does issues. It, I mean, yeah, if, you, if, like a, if a woman trains too hard and doesn't supplement properly, does, does it affect her cycle, affect her me- uh, menstruation? It can, 100%. Yeah. And again, everybody's different. But yeah. if we've got exchange training loads, um, you know, high intensity training every single day, and then they're only eating, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 calories, then we're going to see metabolic adaptation. We're going to see hormonal changes um, yeah. and that can it's going to have lowered um, east they can have lowered estrogen from that if they're yeah. not getting enough food to support their hormones and they're overtraining as well plus maybe they live a really stressful life stress um, can have the same effect so we have something called an allostatic load allostatic load is like the combination of all stresses so yeah. high training load um, under eating not drinking enough water financial stress relationship <laughs> stress like any stress like that just adds up and if you've mm. got a high allostatic load that's going to start to affect your body, particularly with females, we can see lowered estrogen and progesterone. Um, if you've got lowered estrogen, progesterone, yeah. So that's the hormone that is um, elevated in the second half of our cycle okay. in the luteal phase. So after ovulation, um, if there is no, if you don't fall pregnant, essentially, then the progesterone yeah. elevates and that sheds the um, lining of the uterus for our period to come. Yep. Okay. So yep. progesterone is very important though because it's a very calming, soothing hormone. Um, yet things like the oral contraceptive pill, blunt progesterone because they're sending in 
a synthetic form of progesterone called progestin. Okay. So if you are on the pill, you are not going to be producing natural progesterone, which um, can obviously lead to a lot of issues too. But the big thing about the low estrogen and low progesterone is, yes, it can cause a cessation of your menstrual cycle, but low but estrogen is very important for our bone health. Okay. And particularly as an adolescent female athlete, if you are suffering from amenorrhea, um, which mm-hmm. I actually had amenorrhea for a, a long time when I was a teenage athlete. So mm. I didn't know what it was though. I just thought, I'm not getting my period. This is great. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know? Um, and then I didn't realize until I learned more that it was actually amenorrhea and it's because of overtraining and because of under eating and having disordered eating patterns at that time and not having really any knowledge. And then um, with estrogen, because it plays such a big part in your bone health and females will reach their peak bone mass at like 20 yeah. So if you're not eating enough over training and you've got low estrogen or amenorrhea throughout your teenage years, then it increases your risk of not reaching your peak bone mass and then your risk of osteoporosis later in life as this is what we call the female athlete triad. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so huge issues if you're losing your period. Yeah. Um, and it's not... You know, it can be prevented. Like pretty much all of our athletes get a regular cycle because yeah. we are supporting them with sufficient energy. You know, they're not um, cutting crazy amounts of weight. They're not having to diet on poverty calories to get there. Um, they are fueled efficiently for their entire preps. Um, and our, our normal clients as well because amenorrhea is very common in them for the similar reason, even though yeah. they're not athletes. Um, but once we start supporting them nutritionally um, and doing some other things, herb-wise and lifestyle-wise, Mm. supplement wise um, we start to get um, that cycle more regular so you're saying the pill is not a good thing for the, the pill is definitely not a good not thing, a good thing. So at all okay guys so if it, this is this is a you know we should be more responsible about contraception and uh, both uh, <laughs> both people should uh, take charge yeah <laughs> and a fun fact that um, <laughs> uh, there is some research linking the contraceptive pill to increased risk of uh, suicide Yes. Um, you're three times more likely to commit suicide if you're on the pill. But also there's a lot of research showing that it depletes every vitamin and mineral in the body, um, <sighs> which has, you know, I, I can see on bloods when I when somebody's on the contraceptive pill, I'm like, a, this is, you know, mm. uh, I, can, I can see it. I can see everything's depleted. They feel like shit. Yeah. It's like... Good segue again. Blood work. <laughs> so you've got the whole... <laughs> this is You're segueing beautifully, young lady. Thank you. What, what, what's involved with the blood work as well? Cool. My favourite topic at the moment, because we've just spent the last probably 18 months really dialing down on learning blood work. Yeah. So we, when we look at blood work from your GP, they have a conventional range. Okay. So their mm. ranges are based on the average of the population um, that gets tested and if you think about the people that get tested it's your sick people your older people and their job is to diagnose and treat disease that is their job that's what they're looking for so if there is no disease evident in your bloods then see you later yeah not really applicable people like you and i and our um, athletes who just want to feel good look good perform (laughs) at their best um so when we look at bloods we're looking at we have a functional range Mm -hmm. so these ranges are a lot harder to hit they are a lot more narrow, but I know that if what they c- our clients can hit them, they're going to feel great. And when we look at bloods, we're not looking at things in isolation. So typically, GP will look at your bloods. Oh, you've got low iron here. Have an iron yeah. supplement. Whereas mm. we're going, hmm, why is the iron low? Is there yeah. markers of low stomach acid so you're not ab- absorbing iron? Is there um, parasites or pathogens that are causing where iron's having to hide away in the body? Is it that you're not eating iron? Are you following a vegan or vegetarian diet? So we want to investigate why. And particularly with an iron supplement, 
if you it can actually make things worse if there is low stomach acid or there is pathogens or parasites mm. on the iron supplement can cause it more inflammation and constipation which can yeah. lead to more gut issues um which is why a lot of girls don't like taking iron supplements so that's and same does thing that, does that does it make you constipated iron supplements iron supplements can yeah a lot of girls do co- stop taking them because they so can cause constipation i'm going to digress here and just to going back to iron veganism and mm-hmm. um so can a vegan so she ha- they have to take iron supplements then. They Be have to, don't they? Or can they can they get iron from another? So we have two sources of iron: heme iron and non-heme iron. Heme iron is um better, way better you absorbed. Are a book of knowledge, <laughs> girl. This is unreal. This is great. Heme um, iron and what? Heme, heme iron and non-heme. And, and non-heme. So yeah. heme iron we get from animal sources. It is very ah. bioavailable. It is really well it's absorbed what the in the body. Normal people do. Is it? No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Then you've got non-heme iron, which is not very well absorbed by the body, and that's from your vegetables and your legumes and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. So your vegans and your vegetarians are going to get non-heme iron, but it is quite expensive to be a vegan and vegetarian because you have to take a lot of supplements because what you're missing in meat, particularly amino acids, you get the most superior amino amino acids acids from protein, from animal protein. Um, that are needed for neurotransmitter production, are needed for gut health, are needed for detoxification, are needed for mental health. So if you are not getting those, then you have an increased risk of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And again, when I see bloods, I can tell if someone's following a vegan diet because MCV is jacked. Um, so I know there's B9, B12 deficiencies where, again, comes from animal protein sources. Um, animal protein is very rich in B vitamins. And what do we need B vitamins for? Citric acid cycle to produce energy for performance. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult thing working with a, with a vegan and a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> not because they're dietary, probably because they're from they're a nutrient yeah. standpoint, from a health standpoint. Yeah. Um, I read a case study that was published on a woman that was vegan for five years. She fell pregnant. She remained on a vegan diet her entire pregnancy. And when her baby was born, it had TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormone, yeah, okay. which we like to see between 0.5 and 2. Clinically, it's 0.5 and 4. This baby had TSH in the 60s, which Ooh. is severe hyperthyroidism. And this baby had to be on thyroxine for six months of its life to get its TSH levels down. And you know, it's other things like that women need in their pregnancies, like iron, like iodine. Iodine is essential for improving um, for IQ of yeah. the baby. Um, you know, omega-3s as well, very important for brain development. So a lot of this stuff is typically missed. Uh, it can be very dangerous for a baby. It's dangerous to to but what, what what these vegans say, you know, that they they tell you to be a bit it's healthy to be vegan. I, I suppose it's most. My, my I, I think with vegans though, they they do when people that go vegan, they are typically um, more mindful and more holistic. So they do, yeah. do a lot of yoga, they do meditation, yeah, they yeah. go for walks, mm-hmm. they also eat a lot of vegetables and fruits and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're going to you know th- that is a healthy lifestyle. Yes, and there is some research. Um, you know, with the the positives of being vegan in terms of life expectancy and stuff. However, is that a result of being vegan or the fact that they just eat more fruits and vegetables and they're more I mindful and they do yeah, more yeah. yoga and they've got maybe they're I think less the stress? M- I think the mindfulness really steps into that. Exactly. <laughs> into that it's realm. kind of the culture yeah. um, of it. But 
you know, again, the what, what we see with our clients who come in that have been following a vegan diet for a very long time or a vegetarian diet, they are typically really low energy, have mm. a lot of fatigue, have a lot of gut issues, have no motivation, no drive, anxiety, depression, like mm. the list is endless. And we t- have to have that conversation where the reason that this is like this is because of the choice that you've made. A, l- a lot of vegans go, do go back to yep. eating meat. They yes, do because yes. they because they figure out that they're they're low in energy and and they they need that protein. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We were talking about gut health here. Yes. I mean, we we, we touched on gut health a little My bit. My favorite topic. Oh, I've got oh, so many favorite topics. It's so hard to decide. Oh, no, no, <laughs> but, but it's, it's uh, the whole the whole. Holistic approach is mm-hmm. a good topic. Is my favourite topic because it's not just one thing. You know, it's not just your muscles, not just your brain. Yeah. it's your gut as well. Yeah. how important is gut health? It's we st- always start with gut for everything. Mm-hmm. So typically, um, you know, most people have got some level of gut dysfunction, whether they know oh. it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, we can definitely see that in blood work. Um, yes. if there's intestinal permeability, so leaky gut. If there's potential bacterial overgrowth, and we always cross. Um, correlate this with their symptoms as well to get a picture of what's going on. Okay. But pretty much um, the process for us is always most most people come to us because they've got gut issues. Yeah. That's the initial um, reason that they sign up with us. And uh, we all and even if they don't have gut issues, usually we still start there because mm. if they've got they feel like they don't have gut issues but their bloods might say otherwise. And then when you ask them deeper questions about what they're experiencing, they think, oh, maybe, yes, I do. But, yeah. some, you know, you get so used to your normal mm-hmm. that people don't realise that dysfunction is yeah. their normal and that it's not actually normal. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, I didn't think I had gut issues until I worked with you guys for a couple of months and now I definitely don't have gut issues, but I know yeah. that I did previously based on how I was feeling, but I didn't know that that was connected so when you test you test i mean you you see some sort of yeah so we'll see trends in blood typically so bloods are not going to tell us exactly what's going on but it's going to we always start there Mm. and then if we need further um detail then we can look at stool testing there's definitely limitations of the stool testing because gut health is such a there's so much research emerging there's so much yet to be done there's so much we don't know so even with the stool testing when we're looking at how much bacteria good bacteria pathogenic bacteria um is in the stool we don't know what that bacteria is doing like is it alive is it causing issues is it dead is it doing nothing and everybody's gut microbiome is different so like you know we could have the same hypothetically gut microbiome but i could have all these symptoms and you could be fine because you know everybody's so different so i like to look with the bloods at um and then symptom analysis as well so if i'm looking for intestinal permeability or leaky gut in gut in blood tests i'm looking at monocytes are they elevated Mm. i'm looking at um, uric acid is that elevated i'm looking at alp is that elevated then do they have a lot of nutrient deficiencies because if you've got leaky gut then you're going to be struggling to absorb nutrients so then that's going to kind of steer us that way too and then in terms of bacterial overgrowth we definitely look at symptoms but elevated neutrophils elevated bilirubin uh, elevated mcv mch can all um low globulin can all point to um, some sort of bacterial overgrowth even low iron or low ferritin can point to mm-hmm. bacterial overgrowth or parasites um, parasites can be elevated zonophils elevated basophils so we can kind of see these trends and then we can address it but if we need to do further testing to figure out what exactly it is then you know we definitely do that um, but we just kind of get an overall picture of what's going on and um, 
if they do, you've had experience with um, yes. gut health, haven't you? Yes. Really, yes. really bad. No, really I bad. Yeah. So yeah. I had um, chronic gut health issues for probably six to eight years. Mm. I had my first seven fights with a chronic gut what infection. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. <laughs> I will swear because we can swear on this podcast. But how did you get through that? I mean, <laughs> me personally, I've had leaky gut problems. Yeah. And then when my leaky gut was happening, I, I, I was immobilized. Yeah. I couldn't fucking do anything. It was hard. It was There were some days where I could, like, especially if we were in, um, you know, fight camp and we were doing the stomach punches, if I was having a massive oh, flare shit. up, I'd have to get one of my, like someone I was close with to punch me and just say, can you just hit me on the side? Because like, if you hit me in the middle of yeah, my stomach, I'd, like it's it's already so much pain, it's so already so painful. And even before I went to, I think it was my second ever interstate fight on roots. Um, and three Shout weeks. Shout out to you, Sai. No, yes. <laughs> so three weeks before that fight, I got a bunch of testing done. That's when I found out what was actually going on. So I found out three weeks before that fight, I had H. pylori, which is a stomach infection. Yes. Yeah, I had um, oh, just I had a ca- like low stomach acid. I had SIBO. I had bacterial overgrowth. I had major leaky gut to the point that the scale was like the dot was next to the scale. wasn't oh even yeah. on the scale. Oh, jeez. Um, and my functional doctor at the time said, <laughs> and even my coach, my nutrition coach at the time said, I had a strong recommendation that you do not fight. And I was like, okay, well, I'm... The fight, the coach in me knew that I shouldn't have fought, but the fighter in me was like, yeah, obviously I'm fighting. <laughs> like I'm getting to go to Melbourne. I'm fighting on side show. Yeah. Like I'm going. Um, and my functional doctor was like, you can go, you can fight, but you will feel like shit. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I feel like shit anyway. <laughs> and then, and I'll tell you what, I felt terrible and in the ring. And how did that fight go? I won, and it was a you great won? performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh I, I felt, I felt, and You're I think it's that it is the mental strength that yeah. comes in. And I've talked. I mean, a couple of our athletes where I've got their bloods back, and I've seen that they've got no vitamin D and no iron. But I've also seen them train, and I know they're beasts. And I literally yeah. say to them. You must have insane mental strength to push the way you do with what I'm seeing in your bloods because looking at these, I'm thinking you wouldn't be able to get upstairs. Now, when you do see that and you fix their blood work up. Mm. Oh, they're a new person. They are a new new person. person. They're like, oh, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Literally, they just can't believe it. They're like, I, yeah. And I did the same. My vitamin D was um, trashed. And once I got that up, um, new person, mm. new person. Look, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll talk about my experience with with the leaky. I didn't even know what it was. I thought like, like I went through so many things. Of uh, I've got I, IBS. Um, oh, yes, I, I got IBS. Con- I got constipation. <laughs> the, the, there were several times I, I was I was taken in an ambulance, rushed to hospital. Yeah. The pains were so excruciating, so excruciating. Mm-hmm. It was. I didn't even know what the hell was going on. Then I started obviously reading about leaky guts and the gut health and everything like that. Started getting my microbiomes down mm-hmm. I, and um, I, I just I reversed taking everything out of my diet um, sugars carbs mm-hmm. um, but mostly sugars yeah uh, were, the, were the killer sugars do like pathogens um, pathogenic bacteria will feed on sugar yeah, they I love it I think that must have been yeah, look I even like at one stage I even did um, what do you call it when you stuff that fucking thing up your arms oh the um, colonic colonic yeah yep. a colonic yep. irrigation felt good <laughs> 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 no, no, sorry. 
But um, it didn't help. Yeah. It did not help. No. I was still felt sick afterwards yeah. and everything. Because it's, it's a Band-Aid approach. Like yeah. it might it won't like clean you out a little bit, but it's not really getting to the root. And intestinal permeability or leaky gut, um, they like this is only it's only recently came out in the research that it's an actual condition now. Whereas years and years ago, a lot of people were arguing that we don't have sufficient evidence to say it even exists. Mm. But if we look at some of the research now, it's really interesting, particularly linking leaky gut to autoimmune disorders. Mm, oh so Jesus, same yes. thing if we get someone that's got an autoimmune disorder or they're showing immune dysregulation the first thing we go to is the gut yeah um is addressing leaky gut and then potential bacterial overthrow overgrowth there's a massive link between leaky gut ms and neurodegenerative disorders yeah um because it has an effect on the immune system because if you've got leaky gut and every time you're eating or you know taking supplements or antibiotics or whatever it's getting into your bloodstream and the immune system has to constantly fire up to attack something that's not meant to be in there then eventually it's going to it's going to mm. have consequences. Mm. I was like, it when I had it, like when, when it was affecting me the worst. Like I was out for at least four days. Yeah, just throwing up. Yeah, throwing up and <laughs> and like um, I, I remember like what soothed it was. I used to lay in the shower. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's a hot water. Yeah, it's so then, good. And then and then when I when I went to the hospital and they were going, oh, do you smoke marijuana? <laughs> uh, yeah. And they, it's that. It's that. You're smoking too much marijuana. And I was going. You're a fucking idiot. You don't you don't understand. So I just like reversed everything back. Um, got my gut biomes down. There was a thing called um, uh, Athletic Greens. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard great things about AG1. them. AG one. Started yeah. using that. Drinking that in the morning. A lot of uh, uh, now. Uh, now my diet is uh, uh, in the mornings. I, I I'll eat kimchi all through the day. Yeah. Um, because I don't know, that's got good fermentations. Yeah, kim- kimchi's great unless you've got SIBO. So people What's that have that? SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, uh, okay. they eat fermented food or high fiber foods or FODMAPs, they tend to have reactions. Okay. Um, but it's a good, it's a good information because then we're like, oh, we know that that's potentially ah. SIBO. We can go in and deal with that. But typically, yes, it is amazing for the gut, particularly for building up the good back gut bacteria as well. Mm. But like, mate. I'm just saying now, ever since I've done that, um, my training's gone exponentially through the roof. Um, just I'm a lot better. My brain fog's gone. Yeah. I can think clearer. Yeah. Um, and I've got more energy. Yeah. And I don't have that. Some <laughs> symptoms, with, uh, like people, d- like I saw, we have a very hectic symptom assessment where we ask like over 100 questions and they've got to tick the boxes on mm. what they're experiencing. But, you know, things like looking at your tongue. Is there a white coating? Is there lateral serrations? Is Dude, there red spots? Uh, man, when I used to look at my tongue, there was there was massively uh, yeah. a white coating. Yeah, that's yeah. gut. So that's leaky gut. Yeah. Um, and then uh, same thing with pain around the right shoulder blade. If you're getting constant pain there, that can be a sign of poor bile flow. Um, uh, you know, so um, nails, hair, skin. Like Dude. we can look at this stuff and we can get answers. Like the body is always trying to tell you something. Yes, you have to figure it out. Yeah. I look. Um. If you leaky gut can lead to, it can lead to death. Yeah. Uh, my sister passed away a couple of years ago through leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Anything it, from complications caused from leaky gut. Lo- yeah. Complications caused from leaky gut. Uh, septus. Yes. So poisoning of the blood. She took a lot of anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. and that I don't think that that's too healthy. And I remember not good dude, for the gut lining yeah, at all. Yeah, I, I remember taking Voltarum and stuff like that. And now my gut health is good. Yeah. I don't take any of those things. Yeah. I don't try uh, antihistamines. Oh yes, they're not oh, good for the I'm gut I'm either. They also reduce sex drive. My s- yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, skin. 
Yeah. My skin, like I used to get cirrhosis, rashes, but that, 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 that's gone. Hay fever. Yeah. That doesn't play up as yeah, much. Yeah, hay fever is massively linked to the gut as yeah, well. Histamine intolerance. Yeah. 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 It doesn't doesn't play up much. So look, uh, leaky gut is 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 a, is a big thing, and yep. I've always said that uh, the two the two main organs the two main organs you should look after in your yes. in your in your body is your brain. Yeah. And your gut. Yeah. They are connected. Is that correct? Definitely through the vagus nerve. Yes. One hundred percent. So there is. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so they are connected. So when they you know, gut health issues can lead to anxiety, low motivation, dude. um, mm. and depression, like there's a huge link between the gut and the brain. <sighs> dude, yeah. Potentially, obviously, um, it can affect your neurotransmitters, mm. um, as well. So like dopamine being our motivation and our drive, um, neurotransmitter, you know, if that's impacted in any way, then you're going to be, um, anxious and yes, lazy yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, dopamine, for example, is very, de- you need vitamin B6 and iron and mm-hmm. a, a, some, a, a various vitamins and minerals for it to function properly as well. Yeah. So um, I actually was talking about motivation the other day on my Facebook group, but um, the science of motivation around dopamine in particular, um, when we see athletes or our girls that are really low iron or low B6 and yeah. um, then they're like, and they say to us like, oh, I'm, I'm just feeling really unmotivated. I just don't want to train. Like I'm just lazy. And then mm. I look at their bloods and I'm like, you're not lazy. You're exhausted. <laughs> um, I was like, you you know, and then we, we sort that out and then, you know, they have those the energy to train and then they have the increases in when, dopamine. When, and Yeah. What do you mean by exhausted? Do you mean that they're fatigued or yeah. their body is, is working? Over yeah. over time, essentially, because because yeah. of the lack of yeah. yeah. So you, especially with like low iron, you know, you're going to struggle to oxygen deliverly all around the body. So yeah. Um, so hemoglobin is what carries iron, which is a red blood cell all around the body. Yep. Um, we need oxygen to do yeah. that. Um, we need water. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we need nutrients as well mm-hmm. to to transport things around. So if we're depleted in certain nutrients, it's we're not going to be moving oxygen around. Yeah. Um, and oxygen we need to get into the mitochondria. For ATP, for muscle contraction performance, <laughs> yeah. But back to our our energy. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's it's all it's all a flow. It's all connected, isn't yeah. it? Everything is connected, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, so yeah. Um, and also gut health is it's 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 important for your immune system, isn't it? Yeah, you seventy percent of your immune system is housed in your gut. Is 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 it that lining just outside the stomach or the gut? Is there a lining? Can you can you? Um, I don't know that one. You don't know that one? Um, where it's, it's it is housed in the I gut. Sorry, actually, I was listening to Andrew Huberman the other day and he was talking about that. Sorry. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's a, probably a bit t- um, above my physiology knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, well, it but that, if you've yeah. got gut issues, you've got immune system yes. issues. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, but, and this is why we see, you know, there is that big link between gut health and autoimmune disorders. Yeah. And when we see girls that, or anyone that has Hashimoto's or Graves or... Um, Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is um, autoimmune underactive thyroid. Oh. Very common, very linked to the gut, mm-hmm. very linked to low stomach acid. Um, so we need to start with dealing with leaky gut. So same thing if you get if we we're working with someone that's got Hashimoto's, I'm not thinking, okay, we need to deal with the thyroid, we need to get the thyroid functioning better. No, no, no. I'm straight away thinking the root cause of this is coming from the gut. We mm. need to deal with leaky gut, um, and then the f- go f- go from there essentially. So it comes down to that periodization, like just like we periodize our strength training, we periodize our nutrition and we periodize our supplementation. Yeah. So if somebody's coming to us, we're going through the bloods, um, we see that there is leaky gut, that's the first thing we're going to focus on because even if there is bacterial overgrowth like SIBO or Candida or whatever it is, mm. 
when you send in herbs to kill off that stuff, they release um, lipopolysaccharides. And if those lipopolysaccharides are very inflammatory and if there's leaky gut, they can then get into the bloodstream and cause mm. inflammation everywhere. So before we go in and deal with bacteria, we need to make sure we're healed leaky gut to prevent that happening, pre- prevent the die-off reaction. I'm going to – lipo – Lipopolysaccharides or lipo- LPS. LPS? Or, or and they're endotoxins. Oh, yeah, endo- yeah. Okay. They're and just and endotoxins. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta dumb it down Sorry. for my audience, <laughs> please. We're all multi fighters, man. Come on. But there's also um, <laughs> a lot of research on exercise-induced intestinal permeability, so exercise-induced leaky gut. Yeah. Can we touch on that? Yeah. So again, please, Doctor Hopper, I'm gonna call you, Professor Hopper. So when we look at, it's essentially exercising is obviously a stress, and stress is one of the main causes of leaky gut. But there is a lot of research with people that have really, really high training loads um, inducing intestinal permeability because it increases a protein called zonulin uh, and zonulin will then cause leaky gut. And we can see elevated levels in zonulin in um, a GI map, like a stool test, um, as a marker of leaky gut. You more see this in your endurance runners. They are typically the ones that have, um, yeah, more um, leaky gut and elevated levels of zonulin. But they have done studies with endurance runners um, and 20 days of colostrum supplementation was enough to bring zonulin down to um, their their normal kind of range, um, which was quite interesting. But, yeah. So blood work is is fucking important. Blood work is key. You, you, you love your blood. I you, love is, it. Is, is it, is it, uh, is it like, okay, I'm going to break it down again. <laughs> So when a person comes into air make performance, yes. What do you do first? Do you do blood work first? Yeah. So you typically we will do blood work first yeah. because um, it's most of the, the girls and the athletes that we see typically are struggling with gut issues yeah. or period issues or energy issues. So we want to really figure out what's going on to allow them to heal as quickly as possible because otherwise it's just like you're Bang. going in blind. Yeah. And yeah, now I think because yeah. we d- have done hundreds oh, of bloods yeah, now, yeah, when yeah. I when I get if. I haven't had a client that I haven't had bloods for for ages, but if I was to get a client now and I didn't have their bloods, I'd kind of feel like I was going in blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas I can be so much more targeted. And it's not a necessity, but it can absolutely completely change the game. I mean, I do believe everybody should be getting bloods done at least twice a year just to make sure things ah, are good. You know. um, and, but red blood cells turn over every 128, 120 days. So 120 days? Yes. It's like every, I mean, like, it, we cells in our body turn over as well. Yes. For example, what about our mouth? In our mouth, when you bite, bite, you bite, you bite the oh, yeah, gums or anything like that. They're, they're horrible. It's horrible, <laughs> but it, it seems to heal yeah. in a couple of days. Yeah. So it, it is regenerating. Yeah, so our yeah. bodies are amazing things. Yes, definitely. So, so the ideally, oh. in a, for athletes, um, you know, getting blood done every four months. Yeah. If you want to maintain high levels of performance and like particularly the combat sport athletes, we know from the research that zinc deficiency is one of the most prevalent deficiencies in combat sport athletes because mm. when we train, we deplete zinc. Okay. Zinc, we make, <laughs> uh, we need zinc question. to make testosterone. Uh, we need zinc Even for women our performance. have testosterone, is this correct? One tenth of what men have, but that little amount that we have, we need yeah. to preserve. And what about estrogen in the man's body? Yeah, Do very important too. Yeah, oh estrogen is obviously anything I've in excess. I've got a lot excess. of estrogen. <laughs> 
<laughs> estrogen dominance in men is very common now. Really? Yes, it is very common now. Um, you'll typically see it if um, a guy holds a lot of fat in his chest. Oh. Um, uh, or even like you can see... Gyno or something? Yep, gyno. Yep, yep. Yeah? Isn't um, that caused by, that caused by steroids as It well? can be, yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. If you're not if you're not doing your steroid course properly yeah. um, uh, and with the, the stuff you need around it um, to support it, then yeah, you're going to have a rough time. Just don't take steroids the first time. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You can't. Well, you, you need, need, you need sometimes. If, you, if, so, sometimes if you're gonna you need do it, it yep. whatever. But yep. oh, firstly, make yeah. sure you don't compete in any sport that uh, it's illegal. Um, but uh, you need to reach your genetic potential first. Like, spend mm. a lot of time building muscle mass, training hard, and then when you get, you know, super super lean and you've, you know, reached a kind of genetic ceiling, then you know, consider it. But most uh. men that go on it, I mean, again, not advertising it at all. But most people go on it because they just want a shortcut. When, yeah, they're still no, when they haven't no. gotten lean and they haven't no. spent time building mm-hmm. muscle and they mm-hmm. haven't done the mm-hmm. groundwork and it's mm-hmm. kind of and like you know unless yeah. you're in the IFBB then there's no real. But need. you s- you see a lot of guys now. I mean, my age, I'm 52. T test the uh, uh, oh the um testosterone th- hormone replacement. replacement. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Re- hormone replacement. Yeah. yeah, a few of my friends are on it. Yeah. Well, testosterone does start to decrease. I think it's after 30 or 40 in men. Really? Yeah. So it will start to naturally decrease. Can you, so can, can you test me, please? <laughs> yeah, I can. No, but <laughs> Absolutely. I, I do. I, I I don't think that I have bad testosterone yeah. and well, I don't take resistance any Resistance training is one of the best things you can do to increase testosterone. Yes. Yeah, eating protein as well, mm-hmm. increase testosterone, <laughs> before amino acids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before before, the, before uh, I rocked up I rocked up to um, MMA performance and I was like half an hour earlier <laughs> and then and uh, Maddie goes, oh, I'm only 50 minutes ago. Don't worry, I'm hungry. I need protein. <laughs> <laughs> I need yeah. some protein. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, so, but estrogen is also <laughs> really important. Like if you a male flaws his estrogen, he's not going to have any sex drive. Sorry, the male flaws in estrogen. If they floor, if they try to floor estrogen, um, yeah. you will completely diminish your sex drive. So, but I, I do. I, I'm glad I've got estrogen in my body. Yeah, <laughs> estrogen's good, and it can yeah. actually be favourable for building muscle mass. I don't know the full physiology and mechanism off the top of my head, but I know you know it, it can definitely be favourable. We do need mm. it, but it is like anything: too low or too much is going to be an issue. And everything does have a flow-on effect. So again, if you are looking at estrogen dominance, like okay, why is that? Why is that happening? And we yeah. need to go in and address that. Oh, ah. Even a lot of girl, like um, girls that compete in bikini um, or fitness modeling you, shows. You, 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 I did you dabble did, in that. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't touch on that. <laughs> we're going to go back. So you don't. Oh, no, we could just go. You did. You, you, I dabbled you, in that like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the things that kicked off all my gut issues, um, to be because, honest. Because like, obviously because you're, 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 you're training hard and you're, and, you're, and you're probably starving yourself at the same time. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Super low calories. It took me like... Uh, yeah, it was so. I it took me so long to try and heal my body, but because I went into Muay Thai and was fighting, well, I I thought quite regularly. Um, it just delayed all my healing. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So I had so much healing to do. So it took me ages to heal my body. Yeah. Um, metabolically, um, yeah, digestion wise and hormonally, because I was also having these fights, <laughs> um, which in <laughs> hindsight wasn't the smartest thing to do. But I do not regret it. So I think we've been. So you know, the the key thing here is uh, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to your body. Yeah. And that's it. I was always like, nah, it's me. That mindset I used to have like 10 years ago was me against my body. Like I was yeah. like, nah, you will do what I want you to do type of thing. And but it, it, it's the other way around, isn't it? Yes. You have you to work with your body. Yeah. You nurture your body, look after oh, your body. And yeah. I, I was, that. yeah, had a lot of resistance against my body Breach, for a long time. Breach. Yeah. And, Breach. and that's what got me into a really bad place health-wise, hormonally, gut-wise and um, metabolically as well. We just, we, we, we're talking. 
<laughs> this is good though. We're flowing. We're flowing. Yeah. There's misconceptions in combat sport in the community with strength and training. Mm -hmm. But after the break, I chat about strength and training, the misconceptions, and how MH performance helps fighters in training camps. It is your baby. It is. I love it. I'm a strength and conditioning coach first and foremost. I think everybody sees me more as nutrition, which is fine. I do love my nutrition. I love my blood work. I love functional health. But um, what sparked my passion in this industry originally was strength and conditioning. So how does that work with your with your clients? I mean, do do I mean obviously the blood work we've got that out of the way, and then you yeah. you go into the physicality of their body, and uh, then you work out their weaknesses and, and things yeah, like that, or so where they're weak. Yeah, we uh, incorporate the blood work stuff with their training as well. Okay, so yep. we all utilize that. So that, that is a, a, a package? Yep, essentially, yeah. Yep. So we do, um, it is a complete holistic approach here. So we I are that. I love that your, holistic approach. Yeah. It's we're fucking unreal. We're I looking like after your strength training, your yeah. supplementation, your mental, um, health. Your, yeah, mental health mindset and mm -hmm. your what is it, nutrition um, and also lifestyle stuff as well that you may need to implement. So we look at the whole thing and mm -hmm. so we get that blood work done. And then uh, typically um, we will do some sort of a movement screen with our athletes or clients. Mm -hmm. So we are typically get them to do a bunch of different exercises. We kind of assess them, look for any imbalances. Um, to be honest, I don't do this a lot anymore. And the reason for that is because I see the same things. So like with the combat sport athletes, I know that they're going to have one leg a lot stronger than the other. <laughs> I also know they're going to have the other leg is going to be really <laughs> stable but weak. <laughs> because they're going to have a favorite leg that they keep yeah, on. Yeah. They're going to be more rounded in the shoulders. You know, they're going to have, yep, they're going to have, yeah. um, a lot of them do have shoulder bursitis, inflammation in the shoulder. They typically do have quite weak glutes and hamstrings. What, do, do, shoulder what? A bursitis. Is that inflammation of the shoulder? Inflammation of the bursa in the shoulder. So is that because of their, their hunchness? To be honest, I think it's just overuse. Keep punching. Oh. Keep punching. There's heaps of overuse. And, and then um, not strength. Not doing enough to strengthen the back and the shoulder ah. to, to with with all of the... Because ah. fighting is very anteriorly loading. Like, yeah. you do, we do have those rounded shoulders. It is necessary for, you know, the sport, yep. um, for getting the optimal punching angles mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, but... Uh, we have to be balancing that with a lot of back and a lot of shoulder work to look yeah. after the health of the shoulder in particular because shoulder injuries is probably one of the most common yeah. problem with shoulder injuries or shoulder issues, inflammation, bursitis or tendonitis, whatever it is, um, is a very common complaint. So that's a big focus for us. And then typically our combat guys will have, um, well, not just combat guys, our netball girls, our uh, um, clients in general will have really weak posterior chains. So back, <laughs> lower back, glutes, hamstrings, <laughs> very weak. That's not just fighters. That's that's, that's across. Everyone. That's everyone. That's everyone. Because everyone looks at themselves in the mirror and go, oh, 
fuck, it looked great. Yeah. Then they look in this bag and he's got... <laughs> <laughs> and we sit, you know, we sit all day. We sit in mm, we rotated. Sit. We sit yeah. in the car. We yeah. drive, you know. Yeah. We are doing these things, so we need to do things to open we us up more. need to activate that back. Need yeah. To, yeah, I and mean, yeah. The first, and, and we work on periodization. And this is, a, periodization is essentially a system of program design. So we have planning appropriate phases based on what the athlete needs yeah based on where they're at um in terms of their for, for netball their season for fighters it gets a bit more complicated because a fight can come up and then we've got to change yeah. shit um but it's just an essentially a process of kind of logically and sequentially manipulating training variables um to get a certain result so we'll manipulate exercises a little bit improve increase exercise complexity um the frequency tempo sets reps will change based on the goal of that program yeah so unless someone has a very high training age in terms of strength training so when i talk about training age it's years strength training Mm -hmm. you know they might be able to go into a more of an advanced program but typically if you've never done any strength training before you're going to start on a structural balance anatomical adaptation program yeah so our programs for our athletes are four weeks um our clients are six weeks Mm -hmm. and netball girls actually five weeks so we do it a little bit differently depending on... Um, so, everything is like... It's, it's yeah, definitely so yes. individually and holistic. So, yep, yeah. definitely. So, the programming aspect, particularly in that first phase, is we are looking at teaching them movement patterns. Because strength mm. training is a skill. Okay? So, we yeah. need to decrease any of those muscular imbalances as best we can. And like with your fighters and your athletes, you know, they're, they're always going to be stronger on one side, especially if you kick with one leg yeah. um, more than the other. But we do want to try and decrease that balance as much as possible. We want to increase um, your ability to stabilize your muscles and also get that muscle um, mind muscle activation going yep yep and we want to focus in that first phase as well probably building some mus- muscle tissue um because a bigger muscle has the potential to be a stronger muscle yes. um if you train if you get the neural adaptations with it but we also want to set them up to handle subsequent phases so you've never done strength training before and mm. i come in and i give you a five by five program you're getting broken yeah you know yeah. we need to ease you into that and the yeah. last thing we want to do is our athletes leave here broken and then they can't go to muay thai <laughs> or netball and train then the coach is going to call me up yeah, and be yeah, like mandy what are you done to my athlete what are you doing so our job is to complement the performance and not mm. take away from it ever so do you do you work in with the coaches yeah typically we do yeah. so um like obviously i see daz very regularly um he kind of lets me just do my thing but if he has any questions, um, he always asks me or if he thinks that certain athletes need to work on certain things yeah, from okay. his perspective because it is always good to get the coach's perspective because it's well, all well and good to, uh, for the athlete to say, oh, I need to be stronger here. But yeah, then the coach has got some different ideas. Yeah, of course, of so course. that's really, really valuable. And yeah. um, I think now with like the, the martial arts industry really changing and you know, more people are outsourcing for their strength and conditioning, their nutrition, yeah. their blood work and stuff. And, you know, it used to be that the, the Muay Thai coach would be in control of everything. Mm. Um, and that's mm. a big job for a lot mm. of people. Like I know, you know, Daz has got like 30 fighters, <laughs> like, you know, um, and he does so well to remember, always remembers your weights and where you're at and everything that's like Darren's that. Skill, like, yeah, though. just that that's skill. skill. Um, but now, you know, <laughs> it is changing. And I think it's a good thing as well that people yeah. are able to outsource, but the coach also needs to be able to trust who their athletes are being outsourced to. And I think that's so really important. Have that re- yeah, you have because that relationship it's getting, with the coaches, it, yeah. It is a big ego thing for a lot of coaches to work with fighters and work with athletes it is a big um so you get you know some you know pts that may not be qualified and they all of a sudden like oh i'm training fighters and you know we have a cast and then there's some you know that don't understand the underlying physiology of what we do Mm. and then that athlete may be trusting them and then they put them in a dangerous position and you know working with fighters is 
is can be dangerous because you are with the weight cutting process. Yeah. You know, it's not a safe thing. Mm. Um, you know, so that there needs to be a really good understanding there mm. um, of what's going on from a physiology standpoint as well. But yeah, we definitely work with the coaches. Um, Blair just lets me do my thing. I never hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's any issues, I'm sure he'll give me a call. But you've had Tyler, Tyler's been with you. Yep. Tyler Hardcastle. Um, he's off to Thailand very soon. He's been with you for a while though. Yeah. Say cutting weight. Mm-hmm. And obviously cutting weight's a very dangerous thing. Yes. Depends on how you do it, but yes. Yeah, people have died from cutting weight. Yes, definitely. Um, but you know the myth of not eating to cut weight. What <laughs> Tyler talk? Tyler talk, talks. He goes, "I've eaten more food, and I'm, I'm losing oh weight." Oh my god, I have the funniest story about Tyler. So we're in this like this group message, and he's like two weeks out from one of his fights, and um, he was sitting a bit lower in weight than we wanted him okay. at the time, and um, he was just kept losing. Like kept giving him more food, kept losing. So Lewis is like, "Nah." You need more food. And Tyler just said, no, I physically cannot <laughs> eat anymore. Like, please, please don't give me more food. But, you know, a lot of athletes and a lot of people in general, they are under eating and they're mm. not eating enough to cope with the energy demands of their sport. And uh, how, why our guys have such successful weight cuts, it's not necessarily what we do in the weight cut week. We're not doing anything magical, yeah. you know, but it's what we do beforehand. We are spending time building their calories up building, um, like increasing their metabolic adaptation, um, improving their hormone levels, improving their health, getting them feeling really good. And, you know, we look at um, um, optimal energy availability, which is roughly 40 calories times body weight. Okay, so that w- yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd give you an example. My math isn't so good, but whatever. <laughs> Say that's you know for someone three thousand calories. Yeah, it's like okay. okay, for you to perform optimally, uh-huh. we need you eating forty times body weight. For you, it's three thousand calories, and yeah, if they're yeah, eating okay. like a thousand, it's like fuck. We can't jump you straight from a thousand uh, to three thousand. So we always have to be cautious in combat sports because there is a weight. There's a weight class, yeah. and we need to be mindful of what we're doing. So we slowly and incrementally reverse diet them, mm. increasing their food slowly over time, that's watching what their weight's doing, watching how they're adapting. And if they keep losing, we just keep pushing them. We will keep pushing them. And like Tyler and Brandon, both most of our athletes, and Cody as well, who's just fighting tonight, actually. She's fighting tonight. Good luck, Cody. um, We can't wait. Um, But, (laughs) you know, they all were having really terrible weight cuts before they came to us. And the reason for that wasn't like the weight cut week. It was that they were not eating sufficient food prior. So when they came into weight cut week, there wasn't really much of a deficit or their body was um, just inflamed and Mm. resisting. There was weight loss resistance there because they weren't consuming enough food to meet their energy demands. So the body is just kind of holding on to everything. Ah. Um, So what Ah. we do is, you know, like Tyler and Brandon, I think Tyler and Brandon are eating like over 4,000 calories a day. Um, you know, and then so for us, it's like, okay, well, you've got to fight at X weight. We do the math, work it backwards. We only, if we want to create a deficit, we might drop them three, 400 calories or 10%. Mm. And they're still eating heaps to support their performance and feel amazing, but they're in a deficit. So they're yeah. going to drop. Whereas a lot of people are eating 1200 calories or nothing for ages. And then to cut more weight, they've got to go lower. Yeah. You know, where are you going to go from 1,200 calories? You're going to start eating 800 calories, training three hours a day. So, what's the formula again? So, it's your body weight times... 40. 40. Roughly. And that's the calorie. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. That would be your optimal energy availability. Roughly. Ah. There's a few... There is a more complicated equation, but it's difficult to work out. That's an easy way to kind of... To okay, go yeah, on it. Yeah. Um, uh, is 40. And what we typically do is 40 calories. And then we see that number and I'm like, okay, mm. cool. We need to get you there. But, you know, every person's different too. So, we could have, you know, if they start gaining or they start getting 
inflamed or that amount of food's making them really tired, which is possible for some people if yeah. they're eating like, you know, 500 grams plus of carbs a day, they might just be exhausted all the time. So that might not be, not be best for them. Mm. Um, so we need to, to alter that and to the individual too. So you're really looking after when they're in fight camp? So yeah, I mean most 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 times they're in fight camp six weeks. Yes. You 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 only grab them for four. Is that correct? Um, we change their program every four weeks, but the sooner we have our athletes, the better. To be honest. Okay. And we have Did turned people down from working with us if they come to us and they've only got three weeks to their fight, and we're like. <laughs> we need more like for what yeah. we there's plenty of people that do that but for us because we are about that holistic approach yeah. we want more time with our athletes we want um you to, to spend time building your calories up and getting you into a good position so when you do get booked for a fight we're good to go yeah you know we don't have to um drop calories super low you don't have to have a you live in the sauna um <laughs> or whatever in your weight cut week you know it's very calculated <laughs> and the longer we have our athlete for the better position we can get them in yeah. as well before mm. they have a fight um, and like I said, with our periodization, we sidetracked from the strength training stuff a little bit, but um, it kind of comes no, into that. That's, so what we do. Lead, yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Leading yeah. into like fights, for example. So after they kind of do that, you know, their, their initial kind of phase, that's when we might move them to more strength-based stuff. Now, if we've got yeah. plenty of time yeah. before a fight, we might do a max strength phase where we are really focusing on neural adaptation, um, really heavy lifting, lots of rest because we want to regenerate that ATV. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you've got to remember strength is the ability of the nervous system to produce force against the external resistance. So we might do a couple of max strength phases where we could do some wave loading um, uh, and just some different training methods to really increase max strength. So yeah. low reps, lots of sets, more compound stuff. And then say if they get booked for a fight, um, which is the hard thing about fighting, things can come out of nowhere. Yeah. You've got to, I just did a program and I got to redo the whole thing. Um, <laughs> uh, is, you know, in that say four to six weeks, well, they won't strength train the week of their fight. But that four to five weeks out there, um, then they'll be focusing more on power. Okay. So we will be that be that transition from max strength to power where and power is the ability to produce force rapidly. But okay. you yep. cannot yep. have power if you don't have strength. Because yep. power is force times velocity or strength times speed. <laughs> so you can't express something rapidly if you don't have it to begin with. Yes. So we need to do the strength phase beforehand and spend a few t uh, some time building strength before mm. we can do it, um, convert into power. So leading into the fights, we pull volume right back. They're doing a lot less sets, less mm. exercises. We're still doing low reps, but it's very much power focused. So it might be a little bit more jumping, plyometric stuff, not yeah. a heap of heavy lifting like some, um, but we're modulating that load because they're already going be sore and tired from the training that they're doing i can't have them more sore um so we just focus on stellar performance in the gym yeah, okay. every rep is perfect every rep and the thing with power development is the intent to move quickly is more important than actually moving quickly so, yeah. yeah so they've done studies and they looked at in terms of power development what was better was it heavy strength training at a slow velocity yeah heavy? was it plyometric training or was it sub-maximal lifting fast and they found it didn't matter as long as the intent to move fast with it. So even if you've got a heavy back squat and you're moving slow, as long as you're thinking fast, so you'll get that adaptation. Yeah. It goes back to mine. It does. <laughs> Definitely. Especially with how you wow. have to move with intent. Um, I mean, there's two <laughs> ways you can increase power. Number one, lift heavier loads. You can't see me. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, moving, I'm, I'm, I'm moving with intent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's, other than that, you've got two ways to increase power. You, yeah. You lift heavier, but at the same movement speed as beforehand, yeah. or you lift um, the same load faster. Uh -huh. And that's how uh -huh. we can look at power. But um, leading into, and, and you've got to be mindful of injuries as well. You know, I have had um, one of my athletes had a 
elbow injury leading into one of her fights and I had to completely change her program. We yeah. couldn't have any loading going through the elbow. She was already going to be grappling every night. So I was like, okay, we're going to have to pull back in here because and just focus on more rehabby stuff and, and alter our exercises so we're still getting the response I want but we're not putting too much force through your elbow yeah. um, because – you know, the last thing we need is her injuring her elbow in here and then not being able to fight. So um, uh, you, you prefer the athletes to be – do you have – now do you have, uh, like, fighters that will come in regularly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ty- you d- Tyler, Brandon, Megan, they train all year round. All year, all, all so year round. You, and you prefer that because you can collect yes. the data yes. and you know exactly what the, what the athlete is going through. If you don't, if you don't use it, you lose time. it. If you have yeah, a break from strength yeah. training, you are going to struggle. And at the oh. end of the day, a stronger athlete is a better athlete. And when skill is matched – the stronger athlete will always win. Yeah. So, so when you say if you don't use it, you lose it. So I've been, I haven't been trained in. Se- I've been come back after seven days. Seven days is fine, isn't it? Is that? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. I mean, y- you'll, you'll, you'll be sore. Yeah, oh no, we'll in be sore your first later. session, no, but you're, you're, you should have tomorrow. lost too much. Um, no, no, I, was, yeah. I, was, I felt, I felt strong. So yeah, that's that's another thing I was going to ask you about yeah. old people and training. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. I'm an old man, so uh, training often is is a good thing. Then, Definitely, it? And massively as mm. um, as we age, Resistant strength training has been shown to preserve bone mass, bone, reduce neurodegenerative disorders. Yeah. Um, in terms of your health, cardiovascular health, mm. like the benefits of strength training are so widespread mm. um, as you age. I can attest to that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel great. I, I don't know. I, I, this is the best I've ever felt in my yeah. whole entire life. And I participated, I was helping a study that was getting done at ECU from a friend of mine doing her PhD and she was looking at strength training in elderly populations and I was doing the strength testing. They hated me because I had to do a one rep max or like max uh, <laughs> reps on a leg extension so they always didn't like coming to see me. But I was talking to them about how they found the program and what benefits they had and they were like, it was a little things for them, like I can put the sheets on my bed, you know, without being tired. I can carry more um, grocery can, bags in. I can get up off the seat without a just like straight up. Bang, exactly, you know? exactly. And these, 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 Walk like downstairs. we're looking at these people were like seventies and yeah. um, plus, and but they just still couldn't believe the difference it made in their everyday life. So you can, I mean, just say um, a boomer. <laughs> Sorry, boomer. <laughs> they boomer never trained before. Like like my 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 parents when I when they were fifty, mm-hmm. you know, they, they lived a sedentary. We didn't have this science. Yeah. We didn't have gyms like we did. Yeah. We had this place thing called Jenny Craig. Oh yes, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like th- th- now. So if they never trained and they train now at the age of sixty. You still you, you still get the benefits. Will you, see, will you see that? Hundred percent. And wow. if you, so for us as well, if I get someone so that's never, never so strength trained before, whether you're sixty. 20 or 15, you're, you know, same training age to me. So we're going to be focused on the same things. But, you know, individualized. We want yeah, to make sure you know there might be certain limitations, yeah. injuries. But, you know, you just manipulate it based on the person. But you're going to get, especially if you're starting strength training, you're always going to get the newbie gains. You know, yeah. the first oh, six course, weeks of, of training where yeah. you just like – Everything yeah, accelerates and then yeah. after a few years, it's like <laughs> you get half a kilo on the bar and you're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is like that, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> like half a kilo. Now I'm going one and a half. Yeah, yeah, half, yeah not one and a half. Yeah, you yes. increase in 10 kilos every week and yeah. then it's no dramas. But um, yeah. yeah, so definitely no matter the age, strength training is for everyone mm-hmm. um, for sure. And they said they don't need to be you know, lifting 100 kilos, like you, you, their goals are going to be different. Someone in their 20s might be just chasing strength and to look good. But then, yeah. you know, some I know people hit their 30s and they're like, I, and 40s and they're like, I just want to feel good now. Yeah, I just want to have longevity. Yeah. And then when you're in those 60s, 70s, maybe it is just, I just want to yeah, feel a bit better and, yeah. you know, walk to the car and, 
you know, have energy and stuff like that. You know? That's that's that my key is longevity. Because yes. um, you know, I I, just, I, I want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, until I'm eighty. Oh, yeah. and and beyond. Yeah. And 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 so, I look at um, I, I used to look at old people and I go, oh, I don't want to be like that in zipper frames and and then give yeah. up giving up on life type of thing. Oh, I'm too old to do that. Oh, no, I can't. What are you younger? Oh, you're so lucky because you're young. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, I'll. I'll, I'll continue on with my training and and doing what i'm doing with the gut health and eating healthy and yeah. mindset and everything like that and i think uh yeah i think this is I if think you chase yeah. health and performance your body will reward you yeah and oh, i yeah. say this to my girls all the time that are so fixated on body composition i'm mm. like the minute you start thinking more about feeling good and like performing well in to the gym yeah. your body will change Fuck. but if you're yes. obsessed with your body changing yep. you it's not gonna mm-hmm. it's not gonna you need to focus on and this is why we preach health first yeah is like the healthier your body is the easier it's going to get fa- like to burn fat and build muscle mm-hmm. tissue in an unhealthy inflamed body it's going to be really it's going to be harder yeah um so we always preach and you preach that health first health before everything i think that's the key as as soon as i like most people that go firstly go into the gym at a young age it's it's all about it's narcissism. Oh, it's it all is. about it's looking 100%. good. It's all about it's all about yeah. looking good and everything like. And you've got a real bad posterior chain because yeah. you're looking at the front. Yeah, <laughs> bicep curls yeah. and squats, <laughs> leg extensions. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Have you seen those guys with no no legs? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's got to be a physical. If it, that's got to be that that can't be good for your body either. No. You know, fucking definitely sh- want to have a balance. You can have a balance, sure. but there is like yeah. I know with the bodybuilding world now there is a. I think it's a physique division for men where it is, I don't know if it's whatever, whatever it is anyway, they are, it is more upper body and, and so That's for weird. their sport, obviously yeah, okay. they, they have certain things that they need yeah. to do for our sport. We got certain things we need to do. But, but, I, but, but I, what I was trying to say before, it was um, as soon as I started t- thinking about health and about moving, mm-hmm. body, the, yeah, I, um, weight just dropped. Yeah. Muscle mass, yep. plus, um, yeah, everything just started working. It changes working well. the game. It yep. changes yep. the game. It's Definitely. the mind. It's the mind. Mandy, what is next for you? Oh God! <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you still fighting? Are you, are you Muay Thai? What, I, what, what, where's that? Where's that? Look, now? I haven't been training at the moment. My focus is definitely on business. We've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of plans. We've got a lot of exciting things happening that I want to give my full attention to. And you know, when I when I do, and my my staff are the best. My coaches are the best people ever. They are incredibly supportive. But when I when I fight the business cruises at maintenance and they've got to step up quite a yeah, bit okay, and yeah. they're happy to do that. Yeah. But you know, we've got goals collectively us coaches, especially here. We're not a one man show. It's not just me. Everything I do, I go through my entire team. If they've got ideas, we do it together. So mm-hmm. we are a very strong team. Um, we stick together and whatever goals that we have, we all work towards. So we have our vision for MH yep. and we're all on board with that. We know the vision and we're, we're working hard. How many coaches it. do you have here? Oh God, um, uh, Lewis, Naomi, Sarah, Sabrina. Don't you get a bit, get it right? Six or seven. <laughs> 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 and my and my my uh, operations manager, my sister Tammy, is uh, the ba- full out. back end and uh, would you, not Tammy. run without her. So yeah. shout out to Tammy. <laughs> so you're saying that you need a bigger uh, facility now? We've been, we I've been, yes, we definitely want to move. Um, it's a nice facility. I'm, we're out here now at MH Coaching. It's a, it's a really nice. Facility. Yeah. We want to, you know, we want to, we are, well, we want to be, if we are not already the best female performance facility I in think the you country. Are. Yeah. Um, and we want our gym to reflect that. So mm. we are looking for a bigger premises. Um, we have some really exciting ideas for when 
we get that. Awesome. It's just that at the moment, there is not a lot of commercial real estate around. So <laughs> as I'm on there every day, stalking it like crazy, yep. frantically messaging every real estate agent around um, to see what's happening. But um, I know that it'll happen when it's when it's ready. <laughs> um, and yeah, but otherwise, we, yeah, we've got lots of stuff working yeah. on the back end. We're loving, um, I'm loving working with the fighters and the combat sport athletes. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think my passion at the moment is more seeing them excel. Yeah. You know? You and do a lot of grass, like you, the grassroots is your thing. It's, you yeah. know, you, know, you, 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 you why, why is that? Why, why would you pick the grassroots instead of, you know, with with your degrees and and, and your your master's degrees and everything like that, why don't you go professional and like go to a place like a, a professional sporting club like the West Coast Eagles or a, or a netball club or something Great like that? Great question. I actually didn't think that that would be my pathway. I did yeah. always think I'd end up in professional sport. Um, but uh, when I started realizing that the need for strength and conditioning, especially in netball, was with the youth. Yeah. They, you know, we want to get them strength training early for longevity and to prevent injuries mm. um, and improve their performance so they can exit the sport when they want and not be forced to due to injuries. Yeah. So my passion was just more with the youth and there's not really an option, obviously, for that. Well, there wasn't much that I saw in terms of working in professional this sport. Is, this, the grassroots are the future of our exactly. sport. Of, of the sport, of yep. the future of our country, yep. the future of everything, yep. you know, and then to have a better human yep. um, is... is, is and then, yeah, and, and I started working as a PT and I naturally was attracting, attracting all these girls that were having all these issues and that mm. kind of, that I was having as well and oh, had wow. previously had. So yeah. that sparked my, I was already obsessed with finding out what was going on with me. And then as we worked with more girls, I was like, you know what, I can't let this go and just work with athletes because there's such a need to work with women with these health issues, with gut yeah. issues, um, hormonal, gut metabolic issues, issues yeah. mindset problems now. And I was like, I, I could never let that go, especially we've helped, you know, thousands of women overcome dysfunction and mm. completely change their lives. And hearing that from the, these girls that we've completely changed their life and that they were like, had given up on everything before they seen us. I'm like, I could, we could never, we could never, I could never give that up. Yeah. Um, making that impact and our growth potential is so much greater in the private sector yeah you know we can do what we want um yep. you know we can work with whoever i'm not limited mm -hmm. by only working with one team i can make more of an impact i can help so much more people and at the end of the day that's really what this is about is yep. uh, you it's know getting the message out there message. and trying to change the lives of so many different people whether it is an athlete or or uh, just a client in general well, you're making better people yes that's what you're doing yeah you're making better humans mate. yeah and we need better humans yes think, <laughs> oh, we really do there's some uh, ordinary humans out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I've just got that mind where I'm just constantly like, we could do this, we could do that. And the idea, like you, the ideas yeah, are just yeah. always coming to me. An and I need to be in a space where yeah. I can do that if I'm restricted. You, you can't, in, yeah. the in the corporate world, you cannot, you, 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 you've got that restrictions. You've got exactly. the gatekeeper, as they say, yeah. you know, people telling you, oh, you can't do this. Or yeah. you can do that, you can't do it. And I don't, I don't And that's like why I don't that. have that with my team. They yeah, come to me and business. they're like, Mandy, I want to yeah. do this. So they've all got their own little initiatives yeah. um, that they're working on their own oh, little specialties that they want to mm. grow. And I will facilitate them any way I can to help them grow that yeah. because it benefits both of us. We get to help more people and we get to work together. Love that. Um, we're not Love lone that. wolves. We um, we do everything as a team and I want them to grow. Mm. Honestly, like I asked you about old people training and um, I'm an old person Good. and uh, I need I need a new program. <laughs> you, th you think you could... Uh, look, I can tell you that. Yeah, like I've got to... I, I, Back, I'm just going to give a shout out to my coach back there, Reese Fu. 
back uh, back in Victoria at uh, Jungle HQ. Uh, mate, thank you very much for the programs, but um, I think I'm going to go with Mandy Hopper now <laughs> <laughs> and see and see what's um and see what what's up with the MH performance. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be looking for blood. T- uh, uh, I think I'll bloods get, are necessary. Uh, I'll get I'll get my bloods we'll done to bloods. make sure my gut's all good and yeah. you know we're not all perfect and we'll yeah. see. We'll, and even so, there's always, even if you feel good, like I tell like Megan, exactly. for example, she thought she felt great and she's, but she's like, let's do some bloods. And I came back and there yeah. was a bunch of stuff we needed to work on. And then three months later, she's like, I thought I felt great, but now I felt great. She goes, I didn't feel great, but I thought I did, but now I feel great. <laughs> so like, hey, 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 look out for the, the next episode with Mandy yes. when we come back with um, and see how I go with my program. <laughs> Thank you once again, Mandy Hopper. Thank you so much for having me. It's mate, been an honour. No, no, it's been an honour. A really, a re- mate, I want to thank you for building better humans. Thank you. Uh, thank <laughs> you for this podcast and educating me. Um, thank you, and uh, I'm gonna uh, a future thank you for the program that you uh, that you're gonna set for me. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, where can we find you, Miss Hopper? Um, Instagram is probably the best place at uh, so that's Mandy Hopper underscore MHP. Yeah. Um, if you are really interested in the female health stuff, um, then I do have a Facebook group called Women's Health yeah. Tips that um, uh, we is pumping and I pump a heap of different information from. Mm-hmm. And then just our website, which is mhperformancecoaching.com. Can I just say that's a Unreal website. Oh, it's thank really you. really intensive. You've got, you got it all there. Shout out to my website, guys. Yeah. They did well. <laughs> they did so well. And like I went to the um, the, the, the fighting yep. uh, the combat program. Yeah, combat sport page. The combat sport. And just the different body compositions like yep. when they before at like weigh-in. Yeah. And then weigh-in after you went through them. Yep. Unreal. I'm going to post those up. Yeah. And, and, and do those. In actual fact, this little, this little uh, audio clip is going to have that. Love it. Yeah, that, uh, mate. That, that, it was just, there's Megan. There's Tyler. Yeah, Nicola, Danny. 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 Yep, Cody's yeah. on there. Cody. Um, mate, Cody's yeah. good fighter, mate. He's fighting tonight, by the way. Good luck. Who well, else is fighting tonight in camera? Mika. Mika? Yeah. And then, obviously, he's cornering um, Big Al. Big, oh, uh, Al Roberts is um, um, fighting tonight as well. Um, so, yeah, um, thank you very much for that, Darren. And thank you very much. Before we go, a bit of uh, housekeeping. Please, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of the listening platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Please take a minute and leave a review because that gives the little algorithms for like-minded people towards Striker Chat. And don't forget our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Oh, I'm having problems with um, Instagram. I did. I don't know. I've forgotten the last passwords of the last two. So I'll set up the third one. Just keep. I'm having a bit of a boomer moment, but um, just keep an eye out for that. But until next week, the pit never quits. And peace.